0: You're listening to Marcus Sahaba online radio podcast.
1: Yes, uh, Doctor, uh, you know uh, after Ramadan, many things have been said, and uh, one of the things that, that we're going to talk about is uh, our dietary law and how that uh, impacts on our physiology and uh, so forth. Uh, Doctor, perhaps uh, your thoughts on that? Yes, uh, You know we, we
0: should have learned quite a bit uh, during Ramadan about uh, our bodies, uh, because uh, Allah states in Surah Baqarah that fasting is good for us. So if fasting is good for us, it means it's good for us spiritually, for us to develop taqwa, and it's also good for us physically because our bodies get a chance to rest. So uh, we should we should think about all the things that we need to do, things that we um uh we learned from from ramadan now as far as uh uh check whether whether we ate enough or we, we ate too much or we ate the wrong food what we should do is just look at uh whether we've lost weight or not and there are three categories here either if you lost weight if you lost weight normally if you had a good diet and you didn't overeat you would have lost about four to five kilos on an average seventy kilogram man uh, or woman seven four to five kilo loss of weight should have occurred during Ramadan if you followed a reasonable diet and you didn't overeat however if you didn't if you didn't lose weight if you uh, if your weight remained the same throughout Ramadan so that you were the same weight at the beginning of Ramadan and you were the same weight at the end of Ramadan. That means you didn't, weigh, you didn't gain or you didn't lose, uh, which means that uh, your diet was okay, but uh, it, it had too many calories in it, and or you may have eaten too much, uh, so or you may have had three meals a day, uh, which means that you replaced the after taravi, uh time with another meal. So so there was no change in your uh, in your in your eating because instead of eating breakfast, lunch, and supper, uh, you had iftar after and 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 sur uh, so you, you you actually either replaced it or you were having high some high calorie foods uh, to, to to gain that uh, to, to keep your weight static where it, where it was however the third category is a person who's, who's gained weight during Ramadan and it depends on how much of weight you've gained if you gained a little bit it's not a train smash it's okay but if you gain quite a bit of weight more than two kilos it means that you've been eating foods that were very high in calories or you have been in overindulging in food uh, during the times when it's permissible. So you, if, if that's the case, then you need to really look back and, and look at what foods you've been eating and how much of it you've been eating. And try and correct that because if you don't correct that, uh, you are going to be overweight and you're, in fact your family will be overweight as well. So if, if, here's a chance for you to check. How, whether you are eating correctly and whether your calorie intake is sufficient uh, to maintain you uh, through the day, so uh, so go through your diet. People who have a lot of fried savories uh, for to break their fast will find that they have gained. They would they would gain weight uh, because those extra calories from the oil uh, where the savories are fried uh, will definitely impact on their weight because um, there'll be uh, increase in their calorie intake of course during Ramadan our physical activity also decreases and because it decreases uh, we are not lose using as much energy uh, as we should with the result that uh, the, the the extra energy in the form of you know, fat is stored in our body so that's one thing that we we would have, we would have learned another thing that we would have learned was that is you know, we don't need all the food that we eat really we don't really need the food that we eat, all the food that we eat we can have a life, light iftar and still be energetic for tahajjud Salah, not for, tahajj, for for tarawih Salah, and uh, and wake up for tahajjud Salah. so uh, you know you don't you don't need to you don't overeating eating a lot of food makes you lethargic makes you listless and and will make you put on weight so we have learned now if you follow the diet correctly during ramadan that if you eat a small meal your normal supper for for iftar your normal supper with a with a few savouries and maybe some halim or some soup or something to add it to it you'll find that you you will not have a problem during taravi salah and and you would not gain weight in fact you should be you should be quite okay so Uh, That's one thing that we learned that we can't survive with smaller amounts of food. And the other thing that we learned is that we can perform five times salah during the day because um, most of us performed our five times salah during Ramadan. Why can't we continue doing that outside Ramadan? Uh, We should maintain that. We should continue doing, continue with that uh, rhythm, with that routine. So that uh, our body is now used to it. So it becomes a bit easier uh to do that. So so we've been we've been used to it, and our body is physically has been used to it as well. So we can we should just continue reading our salah uh all the time. Uh, the other thing we learned was that it was okay. So initially it was a bit difficult to get up early in the morning, very early in the morning, and but then but then we read the Hajjah Salah. So that means. Uh, we can wake up early in the morning and we can read the Hajj So that's another thing that we should continue doing. We should set our clocks like how we did before. You don't have to wake up very early because you don't have to eat anymore now uh, before Subh Sadik. So, you know, just factor in 15-20 minutes before before Subh Sadik time, uh, if you can. More if you can, half an hour, 45 minutes. Uh, if you want to make zikr, read Quran. Read your four rakats, six rakats, eight rakats of the Hajj surah, uh, and connect with Allah Aswanatara. And if we since we've done that during Ramadan, uh, it's it'll be quite easy to continue continue with that read, uh, routine. We shouldn't break that routine. We should continue with that routine and 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 continue reading the Hajj surah because again our bodies are used to that biorhythms that we talk about. Uh, where our body uh, sleeps and wakes now most people don't even need an alarm clock to wake up in the morning because the body will, their, their body will wake them up in the morning because of this biorhythm that we that uh, that that takes place uh, during ramadan and that di- that biorhythm takes about three- so the result that uh, you know we we, we, uh, our bodies are used to that uh, 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 waking up at the Hajj so we should continue doing that. So that's another important thing that we can do uh, for for ourselves for the rest of the year. So we also controlled our anger. We became less aggressive during Ramadan, and we're calmer. And that's what fasting does. It makes you a bit calmer, uh, and so. Because we could control our anger and our anxiety and our and our aggressiveness, we should continue doing that. If you uh, if you did it during Ramadan, why can't you continue you, controlling your emotions, controlling your anger, controlling your aggression, um, and continue doing that? And tell somebody around you to pick you out each time and uh, privately, of course, and tell you, look, you know what, you're going off the handle again. Uh, just take it easy. Try and control your emotions, you know. And uh, if you have somebody confidentially to do that for you, it's all the better because sometimes we can lose ourselves by not thinking about what we did. But, but remember, you did it for one month during Ramadan. Why can't you do it forever? And that's one of the things that, uh, that uh, we need to think about. The other thing is, uh, we, uh, many of us gave up quite a few things during Ramadan, like smoking during the day and uh, having painkillers during the day. And uh, taking drugs during the day, so you know if you could do that during Ramadan, why can't you continue doing that after of Ramadan? In fact, it's a good idea if you haven't taken advantage of Ramadan to give it up completely. Uh, here's a chance again to say to yourself, "Look, I, if I can do without you for twelve, thirteen hours, why can't do? Why can't I do without it for the whole day?" In that way, you can get rid of all these. Uh, ill effects of uh, of on your body all these toxins that we are taking in which our bodies don't need so that's another thing that you can do uh, you can stop yourself from uh, from all these harmful things that we we normally do and also uh, with our diet uh, a lot of us you know controlled our diet very well we didn't have many fizzy drinks we didn't have we had more wholesome food uh, we didn't have many artificial foods with artificial colours, flavours, and preservatives. We should maintain that. We shouldn't go back again to our old habits again, um, because then you've learned nothing from Ramadan. Uh, this is a this is a learning curve that we go through. That, that taqwa to, with, with the presence of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala back of your mind should remain with us right through and and uh, reinforced again next Ramadan. And if we if we can maintain that. Uh, then uh, we should also look at all these things that we are speaking about now. We should also maintain that for the next 11 months until next Ramadan when we can renew it again. Uh, and In that way, better our lives and not only better our lives, better the lives of our children uh, who depend on us to feed them. Uh, If we feed them correctly, if we use a good choice of foods, uh, we get healthy children uh, and we give them good habits. Uh, they, they, they grow up with those good habits. We make them wake up early in the morning for tahajjah salah or for fajr salah. Tahajya salah if they're older, fajr salah if they're younger. They get into the habit of waking up early in the morning, and that will be like routine for them. So this is what we should do to try and improve our quality of life
1: uh brilliant there dr faru kafiji and uh, you know i can always tell you that uh, whenever you talk uh, everyone listens to you very intently because you have the hikmah you have the wisdom uh, to really conscientize Ummah. and as you said it's a month that we can emulate for the rest of the year and, uh, you know, generally, uh, doctor, you know, when we cover, as, as uh, someone said, when it comes uh, to the e the table and uh, many have indulged to bulge you know, and actually not eating in moderation and, you know, all that good work that you have done in uh, Ramadan where you disciplined your system and, you know, everything was in accordance with divine decree. Uh, most of us have uh, found the benefits. Uh, can we blow it up just in one day? The whole thing goes pear shaper, uh, doctor.
0: Yes, it can. It can happen if you don't uh, control your eating, Uh, because uh, usually after Eid Salah, uh, most families have a breakfast, and and that breakfast is not a normal breakfast. Uh, You know, you don't see cereals on the table, and you don't see uh, biscuits, and you see a lot of biscuits, you see a lot of uh, sweet meats and sweet things. But at the same time, uh, you see things like kebabs and chops and all kinds of other things uh, on the table, and of course, early in the morning our bodies are not really used to eating that kind of food. Uh, we are used to just having a light breakfast with some cereal and maybe some toast and maybe some eggs, or so, you know, if, if you have the time. But uh, here we have a very big breakfast. Then we have a very big lunch and usually biryani or some rice dish. And then we have another big meal at supper. Uh, and if we overindulge, all the benefits that you develop as far as weight loss is concerned, uh you'll, you'll, lose, you'll, you'll lose most of that benefit uh, in that one day, so uh, you know it is is a joyous occasion it's a day of celebration and and we we need to use it as such. We need to say to ourselves that look we need to, uh, we need to enjoy the day with our, with our families, with our friends uh and and meeting people uh it's a, It's a good day, but you know we should we should eat in moderation. We should eat uh, in have small amounts, not large amounts, uh, and, and and pace yourself through the day so that you don't overindulge for breakfast, overindulge for lunch, and overindulge for supper. Now that's going out of control, and uh, that's going to damage our body, and it's going to overload our digestive system. Uh, that that was rested for 30 days now it's suddenly suddenly overloaded. A uh, special precaution caution to diabetics, of course, uh, uh, ease it over. But diabetics need special attention because we notice that um, on Eid day or the day after Eid, blood sugar levels spike in people who have uh, who have diabetes uh, and people who have overindulged the sweet things because a lot of the sweet things are so sweet, they've got so much sugar in them that it will push the blood sugar up. So for diabetics, of course, you can remember that for next year, Inshallah, if Allah Ta'ala allows us the opportunity to experience another Juma, at least another Ramadan, uh, you can uh, you can just uh, eat things in moderation. If you have, if you want to have something sweet, if you have a meal, uh, whatever meal it is, whether it's uh, it's, it's biryani or whether it's chops or, or, or kebabs or uh, whatever else you, you're eating. Um, uh, If you have that in your stomach already, um, cutlets cutlets is another one favorite for for, for, for breakfast. You have that in your stomach, and then you have small amounts of sweetmeats or something sweet. It doesn't really make much difference because the food in your stomach is going to dilute the sugar that you've just taken. But of course, if you have large amounts of sugar-containing foods, uh, the food that you've eaten may not be enough to dilute the, the sugar. But if you have that same sugar, sugary uh, stuff on an empty stomach, your sugar will go up because there's nothing in your stomach to dilute that sugar. Now, let's take an example. Now, you 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 had breakfast in the morning. Yes, that's fine. That's about 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and then you went to visit an auntie or, or cousin or grandfather, grandmother, or whoever it was. You went to visit them at 10 o'clock. And there you, you were confronted with Mitaya again and you had, you had the biscuits, sweet biscuits with icing, and and uh, some cakes with icing, and then uh, then you had tea, and then and then they, they you know they gave you tea, and, and then you wanted, and uh, uh, then you started eating all these sweet things again. Now your stomach is empty. Your stomach that the food that you had at eight o'clock in the morning has now been digested. Your stomach is empty. Now that sugar that you are now going to be eating the foods that contain the sugar that you are now going to be eating, like the sweet meats and and then the sweet biscuits and icing, uh, that will now go straight into your bloodstream, raising your blood sugar very fast, very quickly. So so again, you know, you if you have a small amount, it's no no problem. Half a biscuit will not create a, ma- a major problem. The uh, best thing is if you're going to visit somebody if you're a diabetic and you're worried about your blood sugar levels, when you go and visit somebody, just ask them for a glass of water. That will serve you better than having, than indulging in those sweet things and then suffering later in the day and also causing uh, panic and, and anxiety in your family members because your blood sugar is now up and they don't know what to do. Uh, and they'll check around frantically to see what can be done because the blood sugar has gone up to 20 uh, or, or 25, you know? uh, simply because you've overindulged with three things so think about that and uh, if you if you if you can just go visit people and you think you, you, you your your diabetes is is a bit not well controlled rather just drink water at uh, at their place or have one date or two dates uh, to just to please your guest rather than indulging in the in the sugar rich foods that are available on eat day
1: yeah, and uh, Doc, you, know, you say that uh, so eloquently. Now, you know, what about these individuals that, they'll, uh, you know, indulge with the semolina, they'll enjoy the biryani, they'll have all the sweet meat. But Doc, they'll tell you, Doctor, but bring me Tab, or bring me Diet Coke after, you know, exploding with all these meals. Uh, how do you uh, react to that, Doc?
0: Well, what they say is that they want to, they want to burp because with the, the burping gives them the satisfaction. So you have to have air in your stomach to burp. Now, now Surah Sarasam has told us that the best way for us to eat is one-third food, one-third water, and one-third air. And uh, the reason for that is that uh, the stomach needs to have some air for uh, for the for the stomach uh, to to mix the food uh, like a food mixer. Uh, you can't overload the, overload the food mixer. You can't put things in the food mixer right to the top and then put the cover on. Uh, and then put the food mixer on; things are going to fly all over the place. So you need a little bit of air to allow the mixture to 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 expand itself, uh, and a little bit of room uh, for for this for for this mixing of the foods to take place. That's what happens in our stomach as well. So, if we if we followed that and we said, okay, one third food, one third water, and one third uh, uh, air. Uh, it, it means that you, 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 your stomach is nice, quite happy because it's, it can can function effectively. But if you've overeaten and you've you're overindulged, if your stomach is absolutely full, and you you get the feeling that you want to burp, but you can't burp. The reason why you can't burp is because there's no air left in there, uh, because you you you've occupied the whole stomach with food and drink, so there's no air there for you to burp. But you get the feeling that you want to burp. So what people do. Is they drink a fizzy drink, because they, they 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 drink a fizzy drink, and you ask them why are you drinking this fizzy drink now? say so, no, I want to burp. I feel I get a feeling I want to burp. So the fizzy drinks now creates air in the stomach, uh, and it makes them a few a bit uncomfortable because that also expands the stomach, and of course, uh, the, then they'll burp. The the burping that occurs then is the air that was formed with the fizzy drinks that you drank, so. Uh, you know, it's, if you can just understand what I'm saying, uh, that, you know, if you if you didn't overeat in the first place, you wouldn't get the feeling that you need to burp. In fact, you burp naturally because of the gas that is supposed to be there in the stomach, as, uh, as the Hadith says, and uh, not trying to prove the Hadith, just saying that uh, the Hadith being absolutely true, we are, we are, we are we are checking to see uh, how we can help ourselves by implementing that hadith in our lives and making our life a little bit better.
1: As you said, uh, one-third food, one-third empty, and one-third water. And, you know, what are the repercussions of having this induced burp, you know, forcing that burp on you? And as you said, there are many wolves uh, it will tell you, you know what, when it comes to eat, they have to have that carbonated drink not a black one, Doc, and they say, hey, now I feel like I already had my biryani. But that is an induced burp. Is that giving a false signal uh, to the brain and the stomach, uh, Doctor?
0: Yes, it is. That's what happens, actually. And uh, it's, just a, it's just a psychological thing that you burp now. Uh, therefore, you should, you should now still feel a bit better. But as I said, that burping is actually the gas that you just took with the fizzy drink. Uh, the, the 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 reason why you feel like how you felt is because you overeat. That's that's the main problem. If you didn't overeat, you wouldn't get that feeling that you need to burp. Uh, and, of course, you wouldn't get that indigestion feeling. Uh, and, of course, you uh, if you overeat, you feel listless and you feel lethargic and you want to sleep. And that's what happens uh, with uh, people who, who overeat. And, of course, that's the worst thing you can do because all the food that you've eaten, all the calories that you've had, you now go to sleep. Your body doesn't know how to use these calories anymore because you're not active. You're lying down, you're sleeping. You're not active. And so what does it do with these extra calories that you've just eaten? It'll take it and it'll store it. It'll store it in your buttocks and in your arm and in your back and your ma, wherever the fat depots are. That's where it'll store it.
1: Uh, looking at a question here on the screen. And uh, yeah, uh, there's a... Yeah. Well, Jazakallah for that. Uh, Lukalo is pointing at the screen. And uh, this is from Apakala. Yeah, a little lower. Yeah, Apakala says, As-salamu alaykum. What a Allah, Dr. Uh, Brother Shafaz. We really enjoy him. I want to know from a uh, doctor, is it better to fry your samosas in ghee or in oil? Many say ghee won't give you the heartburn. Uh, what's your verdict on that, uh, Dr. Faru Kaffeeji?
0: Uh, yes, that's correct. Ghee doesn't uh, cause as much heartburn as the other oils. Um, uh, in fact, olive oil is even better with, with, with heartburn. We find that uh, people who are suffering from heartburn, if they take a little bit of olive oil, uh, it tends to soothe the heartburn down, makes them feel a bit better. So so, so olive oil would be the, the way to go. But uh, talking about ghee and the difference between ghee and oil, calorie-wise, calorie it's about the same. You're getting the same amount of calories in ghee and you're getting the same amount of calories in oil. Uh, with with the with an equal quantity of each one, so so that doesn't help us. But uh, but uh, ghee is uh, is uh, is, a, is a much uh, easier it's much easier on the stomach. Um, uh, it, the, the digestion is much easier as long as it's not uh, you're not overdoing it. You're not having too much of ghee. Uh, then then you're going to have a problem because then. Uh, you are gonna create a weight problem for yourself. You're gonna be overweight. Uh if you do that continuously on a routine basis, it's gonna make you put on weight. A small amount is okay. Frying in ghee, uh you are really going to have a lot of calories. A lot of calories. even frying in vegetable oil, you're gonna get a lot of lot of calories. Now I'll just give you an example. If you take an average size samosa I'm not talking about the very big samosas. I'm talking about the average size and the very small samosa. I'm talking about the average size samosa. If you take that and uh, if you fry it uh, in oil or in ghee, uh, you're going to get something like 180 calories uh, in, into you. But if you if you grill it or if you if you air fry it, that same samosa, uh, your calorie content will be about 80. So you you have you have had by frying by eating the fried samosa, whether it's in oil or in ghee, in vegetable oil or ghee, you 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 consuming another hundred calories extra, of you know that which which your body doesn't really need. Now that's for one samosa. One samosa, hundred 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 calories. So you have six samosas. you've you, you've taken in six hundred calories extra, which which you could have done without. You will still enjoy the the uh, the samosa, although it's a bit dry in an air fryer. You can use some sauces to to make it a bit better for you. But if you have ten samosas, that's one thousand calories extra that you have consumed, and that's where the problem lies. The problem is that if you fry things, the the oil soaks into the food and and, and becomes part of the food, and when you eat it. You are eating that with, together with the oil that it has soaked in and that has very high calorie value and it will increase, increase your weight uh, and it will cause problems for you. Vegetable oil, fried vegetable oil, yes, can give you a heartburn and it can give you indigestion feeling. Uh, ghee, much less so, but both of them, the calorie content is the same.
1: Yes, uh, doctor, uh, looking at uh, another question on the screen here. Uh, Sarah Masi says Home industry is cutting costs and may be using substandard ingredients or items frozen for a long time, and we're buying mitai and savouries from them, uh, from uh, these people. No health inspector uh, coming and watching. Uh, what can go wrong when uh, buying food from uh, dubious sources? Very good uh, uh, question from Sarah Masi, uh, doc. Yes, uh, it
0: is. Uh and that's some something that we need to think about uh so what you need to do is you need to order from people who have a fast turnover uh people who are who are selling quite regularly uh that means they are making it regularly it means they are using the ingredients regularly, so it's not not lying on the shelf for a long periods of time. If you ask somebody who doesn't really do it on on a regular basis. And a, and a, and a turnaround, uh, a quick, t- uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, you have orders and, and that that are need to be fulfilled, and and so there is a churning out of these foods, uh, by the, by this person. Then the chances are that these order uh, the ingredients haven't been on the shelf for, for too long. But if you if a person doesn't do these things, and then you ask them to do it, and they do it for you. Now you don't know how long they've had it on their shelf, and you don't know wh- whether it's fresh stuff or not. So what uh, I would advise in a situation like that, if if you want somebody to do to make samosas for you, for instance, let's take that example. You want somebody to make samosas for you, but this person doesn't make samosas on a regular basis. So what you do is you take your par, you take your filling, and you take your or uh, Whatever else, other ingredients that needs to go in there, and you give it to the person and say, "Look, can you make, can you make do my make my samosas for me?" So you are using your own ingredients, and they just fill it up for you and make the samosas for you. So that's one way of of knowing what's going into the samosa, uh, whether it's old stock or expired stock or whatever it is, you supply the
1: you supply the material and let them do the let them do the samosa you, doc uh, really uh, you got the uh, umma ready tickle this evening and uh, lots of uh uh coming through uh, this is from a share kaka in lens and uh, Sher kaka says lots of people have brai on eid night how heavy is meat on the system at night and uh, should we rather in the afternoon do salads uh, digest well with brai meat well i know a lot of my friends uh, did have lots of braiser uh, doc your comments no bra bra is okay there's no problem
0: uh, with bries, Of course, there are some warnings at the moment on for people who have regular brys, Uh And I'll come to that just now. But uh, whether you bry the meat or whether you make a curry out of it or whether it, whatever, it doesn't really matter. Uh, so it's not the brye meat that's uh, the problem. I think uh, uh, there is a possibility that you're again overindulge because uh, there's a lot of meat available and uh, the meat is not buffered by. Things like rice and bread and rolls or whatever else that it is solid meat that you are consuming and too much of red meat can have a negative impact on your health. Uh, so if you have a little bit of white meat, a little red meat, it's no problem. You can that that should be quite okay. But if you only have red meat and a large amount of red meat, uh, it can can cause uh, not only digestive problems but uh, it may elevate your uric acid in your body in blood you may elevate uh your cholesterol and uh, which you which you really don't need so so uh, over of fried meat is a problem, but if you control the amount of food that you're eating there's no problem and if you have white meat there's no problem so you can have fish it's even better a fried uh, a bride fish is fantastic uh because it's very healthy, very high protein and it's white meat actually so you, so it it uh, it's very helpful to the body now coming to the brie itself uh it has been the studies have been done recently uh, in the last five six years about uh the tox, the toxins that are present in the wood that you are using or that or in the uh, anthracite that you're using uh or the coals that you are using to fire the the, the brie so that smoke uh that smoke and uh, the the, uh, the 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 fire, the fire itself, and the smoke has these some of these toxins in it. So it will go into your meat. So that will create a problem for you because once in a while, it's no problem. Your body can take care of it. Uh, it'll it'll destroy it and ex and excrete the toxins. But if you have brise on a regular basis, uh, with this kind of uh, with a coal or with wood and and on a bare fire uh, you you are going to have a problem and uh, i worry about the takeaway places where they have open fires as well and if you have uh, a, you know if you have these on a regular basis it may create a problem for your body as well so there are various ways in which you can obviate this uh, you can put a foil over the grill so that the flame and the smoke doesn't come into contact with the meat uh, that's one way of doing it uh, so that you can, you can still bry, but bry on a foil, uh, so that uh, you protect the meat that you are going to be consuming. Uh, so that's one way of doing it. Um, another way of doing it is to use a gas bry. A gas bry, there's no uh, there's no fumes there, there's no flames there, uh, as and, and there's no smoke. Uh, and if there is smoke, it's coming from the meat itself. Uh, so that's quite okay. There's that will not create uh, any any problems in your body. And some of these tox, some of these chemicals that come out in the fire and in the smoke are carcinogenic. That means they can produce cancer over a long period of time if it is used on a regular basis. Once in a while, as I said, it's no problem. Uh, you know, once a month, once, twice a month, uh, you have a braai, it's no problem. But you have a braai every second day, uh, you're looking for trouble because uh, it's going to
1: eventually uh, cause a problem in your body I tell you doc uh, you really got me intrigued there now I'm going to go for flame grilled. no more hey, those other things are uh, getting the coal getting the smoke in I have to discuss this uh, with uh, at at home with uh, my wife Sabiha, and maybe we're going to go for a flame grill. Uh, looking at a question from uh, Fazila in Swane, she says, "Assalamualaikum, Doctor. We saw the topic schedule online. Please advise my kids uh, only eat mitai and desserts all day on uh, Eid. Um, uh, is this uh, good for digestion or is this uh, bad for digestion, Doctor?" So
0: They'll have a sugar high. They'll be very active, and uh yeah, and and they won't want to eat uh, food uh, because uh, uh, our fullness, our satiation signal in our brain will tell them that there's enough. You've eaten enough simply by measuring the glucose in the blood. In the blood, so because uh, of the high glucose level that occurs uh, uh, in, uh, in in children in adults as well who overindulge in sweet things, uh, your your appetite center switches off. And you don't feel like eating, so you won't eat. Um, you, know, you won't eat food. Therefore, I uh, don't you know when mother our mothers used to tell us that don't have any sweets before supper. I don't know whether your mother told you that, uh, Shafat. But uh, you know, I grew up with that, and uh, um, mm. I see other people also saying saying the same thing. They tell their children, you no, know, don't have anything sweet before supper. Otherwise, you won't eat supper. So people know about this. They know that if you have something sweet, your appetite center switches off in your brain, and you don't, you, you won't feel like eating food. Uh, not that you're not hungry, but you've you had too much of sugar, which has switched off your appetite center. So uh, if you don't, have, so it's not a good idea to give children too much of sweet things uh, because it will definitely switch off the appetite for normal, healthy, nutritious
1: food. A message here from Ibrahim. Ibrahim Bar says, Assalamu alaikum, Shafat and Dr. Faruq Kafiji. You happen to be one of my favorite doctors, but doc, what no oil? I can't uh, have my samosas in an air fryer. It is too unappetizing. Uh, can I smother it with oil and put it in the air fryer? But I will never get that crispiness. Please, doc. G- give me another recipe. <laughs> How do you, you know, uh, generally uh, when you put things into the air fryer, it can never be the same, uh, doctor, but uh, some meats uh, go well. I mean, the steak and all that you can uh, do that marinated and put it in the air fryer comes out well. But samosa, doc, for me, for me, I think I agree with the prime it's like an eye corner, doc. Your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, it does
0: come out dry, uh, but putting more oil, you're defeating the purpose uh, of of the air fryer. So rather use sauces to to moisten the samosa uh, a bit better it can come out crisp it depends on how how you do it in the air fryer uh, but uh uh use uh, you know use use uh, a, a nice good sauce which is not again high calorie uh, and uh uh you know it's a matter of developing your taste it's a matter of uh developing uh, a habit of having having it that way which is a much, much healthier way uh, of doing things. Uh, so, uh, you know, you you if you're used to having fried samosas and uh, and you don't want to change, uh, you don't have too many of them. Just w- have one or two. That's not going to create much of a problem. If you want the crisp- crispiness and, uh, and the flavor of the oil in the samosa, uh, just have one or two samosas. It's not going to create a problem. But uh, if you're going to eat six and seven and eight samosas, one after the other, that is going to create a problem for you because you're going to have too much of uh, calories in your hands. Uh, By the way, a samosa is a very, very healthy food to eat because the pastry is thin and the filling is rich in protein. Um, And that's I'm talking about a a chicken or mutton uh, samosa. As long as the, the meat is lean, it's a very healthy food. The only problem is that we spoil it by frying it. That's a problem. Um, and that's what creates the problem. Uh, but in itself, the samosa is very healthy. And uh, and if, if uh, you told me that, you know, air fried samosa, my children are having six and eight samosas at one time, I would be very happy with that because uh, they're getting quite nutritious food, uh, you know, in, 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 a, in a way that is pleasing to them rather than in a, in a form of curry or in a form of biryani or whatever else that you put the meat in. As long as they're getting the meat, um, that they, they're eating the meat uh, that's fine whichever way they eat it it doesn't, doesn't matter as long as it goes into the stomach
1: <clears throat> yeah doc uh, you talk about the meat and uh, you know the in the air fryer you put your kebabs and uh, your steak and so forth uh, it comes out nice and uh, but i don't know if you tried putting onions in uh, to try, uh, try and make onion rings it will never ever get soft and moisty it will be very hard why is that so, doctor? Even uh, if you if you uh, slice chips and you put into the air fryer, it doesn't happen, doc. What's the reason for that?
0: I I have no idea. I have no idea how how this uh, how that happens. Uh, I don't I don't know. No idea.
1: <laughs> you know why, doc? I I don't think you're a cook, but I I I, I did try that and I I, you know, I never had any joy. But then I had to put uh, the butter on the tawa and I have to put the onion rings and put a cap on it. Hey. Doc, you can come and join me. We can indulge to bulge. (laughs) You and I can go for that. Uh, Looking at a message here from Ibrahim Ba. He says, I really enjoy Dr. Farouk Hafiji Shafahata. Please tell Dr. Farouk Hafiji also that in yesteryear, people ate whatever they wanted to eat and no one got sick. We ate a lot. What was the reason for that? It seems now that sickness is prevalent everywhere and people are talking watch your diet watch your diet ibrahim ba has got a point here dr Faru afegy how do you respond to him
0: well our forefathers didn't have cars and they walked to the masjid they walked to the shops they carried the parcel back again from the shops uh, they 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 worked worked in the fields they did their own gardening they did their own housework uh, and that's where all the energy went we are eating and sitting and then drive to the, and then drive even 200 meters away we take the car and we sit in the car and we drive and go there and we do a minimum amount of walking uh we use a trolley to try and support ourselves uh we we are physically uh, you know bankrupt as far as that is concerned so if you compare our, our fathers and forefathers with ourselves there's a vast difference in the activities that we did and that's the reason that's the basic reason why we now need to readjust our eating habits because what they ate, they used. What we eat, we're not using. It's getting stored and it's causing health problems. Uh, so that's the difference.
1: Yeah, that's a, a very good point indeed uh, because we're not burning up our calories. And uh, then uh, so some of uh, us will say, okay, the gym culture is coming to, uh, uh, into, into being. They go to the gym and you know, psychologically, they all want to be at the gym. Uh, gym culture what's your thoughts on that if you walked every day and you did what you have to do uh, perhaps you wouldn't even need the gym uh, doctor
0: yeah the gym is is a way uh, you know it's it's just a uh, fashion it's like something that you need to do of course there are people that need to go to the gym and these are people who are trying to develop themselves for a particular reason whether they're playing tennis or they're playing soccer professionally or or they're playing prof- uh, professionally at a high professional uh, uh, soccer or some sport at a higher level where they need uh, they need the bodies to be developed they need the muscles to be developed that's that's okay but for the average person uh, you don't really need to go to the gym there are many things that you can do around the house which will give you uh, the same amount of uh, of uh, exercise uh, for instance to develop your core muscles all you need to do is sweep your driveway if you sweep your driveway every day you will develop very nice strong core and 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 of course you'll have a clean driveway uh you can and if you want to you can you know if you want to uh, move your arms up and down uh just wash your windows wash your windows you will have now very clean windows and but you would have exercised as well and 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 preserve those you can walk walking is uh you know you don't have to walk very long distances you can even walk on your own property and, and 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 the older people can even walk in the house them in the, in the house itself from one make a trek you know in the house in the house you know go from one room round go down the passage around the uh, dining room table or lounge come back again into another room come back out again into another room and just make sure that there is no slippery mats around and you can walk as long as you as long as you do the walking continuously for for 20 20 minutes or half an hour without stopping. That's the exercise that you need. So you don't really you can improvise. Uh, you can you can improvise with things around you uh, to, to to use as weights uh, to try and uh, develop tone your muscles. Uh, be innovative. There are many things in the house uh, where the weight you will where you know the weight of that item, and you can use those items uh, to try and. Uh, and, and and strengthen yourself. So, you know, going to the gym, I think, is a fad. It's a, it's a, it's a thing that, you know, I, you know, that so-and-so is going to the gym. Therefore, I need to go to the gym. And then people say, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to the gym. And you're not going to the gym. You feel that you are left out, that you are not doing something that everybody else is doing. So don't feel like that. You just need to develop your body. And, and you need to develop your body and keep your body in prime condition wherever you are.
1: You can do it at home, no problem. Yes, uh, Doc, I really like uh, the way you talk about walking from one end to the other of the room and uh, making, you know, Zikrullah. You mean the walking your Zikrullah and you're feeling it all the time. And, you know, that routine, also you'll find an old cha-cha in the mosque, you know, at the back of the mosque, uh, making his Zikr with the Tazbi on the side of his hand, walking from one end to the other. A very uh, good and uh, uh, a very healthy habit indeed. And, uh, you know, you're talking about that. And I'm sure you do that, Dr. Farooq Afuji, because I feel uh, the the, the same way about uh, uh, you. I generally, you know, when you get up early part of the morning and you want to make the zikr, and the best way is to walk it out. And, you know, you feel so, uh, uh, so tranquil and fit about the whole things, uh, whole whole thing. Your thoughts are done.
0: Yeah, I do that every morning and uh, you're right. Besides the fact that you're getting exercise, mm-hmm. your joints become very flexible, and uh, you are ready to go when you when you in the morning when time time for you to go and do some activity, you're ready. Your body is ready because it has been well oiled. Remember, you know, every joint of our body is a self-lubricating joint, um, mm-hmm. so so it will uh, it 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 lubricates itself. But the the the, the lubricating sac is, is situated very close to the joint, mm-hmm. and that that lubricating sac is stimulated by activity. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if you if you become active, uh, or you walk, uh, that gland is stimulated to produce, to produce the oil that goes into the joint. So the joints become moisturized, moist, moistened inside. So, uh, so the the more you walk, the more of this oil that you, that will be produced. Uh, into your joint, which will support your joint, which will make it less uh, uh, less painful, less stiff, loosens it up. But can you imagine going the other way now? If you're just sitting all the time at home, not moving very much, not much oil is produced in your joints because your joints are not moving. The the joint dries up, it becomes stiff, it becomes painful, and it becomes difficult to walk. So you, you see, you 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 bring it on to yourself. So If you just walk, you'll see the difference, even in the house. If you just walk, and and some people say, I walk in the house all the time. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about going from the dining room to the bedroom and then doing something in the bedroom for about five minutes or six minutes and then coming back into the kitchen and doing something in the kitchen for five minutes or something. No, that's not exercise. Exercise is continuous walking, continuous walking for 20 or 30 minutes uh, and and that will, that will show you the benefit because these glands that produce oil will not be activated if you just walk um you know ten meters or twenty meters and then you stop and then uh, uh, you don't go forward uh you you stay there and then, uh, and then after about five minutes or so uh, you walk again that distance these joints joint these these uh, sacs do not uh produce uh, do not, do not have the Ability to produce these oils for short distances. Therefore, uh, you need to walk for at least continuous walking for about uh, 20 minutes, half an hour. And of course, you can make zikr during that time. Perfect, absolutely perfect
1: the beauty of the whole thing where dr faru Kapaji says you can be making zikr there all the time and uh, yes Sir doctor looking at a, a question from casim he says assalamu alaikum uh, jazakallah khair uh, for once again uh, bringing our favorite doctor on the platform the marcus sahaba the voice of the Halal sunnah wal jamaa is truly an asset to them. I do agree with you, Kasim. And he goes on to say, doctor, recently we've been having a lot of our load shedding and uh, due to the recent floods, many had uh, no lights and electricity for 10 to 15 days. Doctor, we had generators on, uh, but we kept it on for four hours. If uh, that has affected our meat and uh, uh, so forth, what are some of the signs of uh, poisoning? Because I'm afraid I ate uh, that mutton and I see pimples <laughs> I see pimples on my uh, on my hands uh, doctor yeah it's, it's it's a serious issue, and uh, you know the brother says he's seeing pimples now after they made, uh, made the mutton biryani. How do you respond to him uh, to Kasim, doctor
0: uh, no, uh, you see if, if uh, meat is going to go off or if food is going to go off uh, the, the, when you say food has gone off, what it means is that the bacteria have been allowed to grow. All the food that we have have bacteria in them, uh, and if you put it in the fridge, it stops the growth of the bacteria. It stops it, so so that the, the bacteria don't grow anymore. Uh, they are still there, but they are, they are inert. Uh, they're not active, and they are not not reproducing. So when we say food has gone off, it means that the temperature has has come up to a, to, a, to a level that has reactivated the bacteria in your food Uh, with with the result that your bacteria will now start multiplying and they will start uh, they'll be ready to infect you if you eat that food so if you eat infected food that you know the the effect will be first felt in your gastrointestinal tract you'll feel nauseous you'll feel uncomfortable in your stomach you get indigestion you will get diarrhea uh, you get bloatedness uh, and that kind of thing. Now, if the, if the, if, if the infection, if the, if the bacteria in the food is too much, a lot, that means the power was off for quite some time and the food was allowed to warm up uh, with the result that the bacteria had a, had a wonderful opportunity to multiply and multiply and you had a large dose of the bacteria, then not only would it affect your gastrointestinal tract in the form of diarrhea, bloating, nausea, uh, and uh, stomach ab- abdominal pain. Uh, you'll also get uh, constitutional symptoms, which is like fever. You may get a fever. You may get a headache. You may get body pains, uh, which now means that the, the infection, the, the germs, are so many that not only did they infect the bowel, they also went into the bloodstream causing all those symptoms uh, that I mentioned. So uh, it just depends on the degree uh, at which uh, you you know, uh, that, uh, that you allowed them the Frozen meat or, or the, the refrigerated meat to cool down and, and get into a normal room temperature state. So we need to be careful with that because uh, uh, this is a real thing and it happens. It happens all the time. Uh, not only during Ramadan, but it happens all the time.
1: Yeah, doctor. You know what about uh, those individuals? You know they say, oh, we're allergic to prawns, and uh, but they still like hey, they want to eat it and they go and eat it and the lips uh, start swelling up and so forth uh can this be fatal you know that things are not uh, that you're allergic to it and you still go and have it Uh, what could be the some of the major major side effects of that uh, doctor with uh, any allergy the more exposure you have to the
0: allergen the allergen is the substance that you're allergic to in this case you're talking about prawns the, the protein that's found in prawns uh, we become allergic to that, and of course, with every exposure, the the, the allergy becomes worse. So it may be a, a little bit of itchiness of the of the lips uh, when you when you first had it, and the next time you have it, uh, you may have a bit more itchiness. It may break out into a little uh, swelling, uh, and then it'll go away. Uh, and then the next time you expose yourself, uh, the swelling on your lips will be much bigger. So in, in that way, it progresses and progresses and progresses. So it comes to a point where uh, you can get an anaphylactic shock. Your 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 you can get a severe allergic reaction. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that it can develop slowly. Mm-hmm. Some people, some people have an allergic have, who are exposed to some allergen uh, they develop an allergy to it, and then they have they have the food uh, or the same food again. And they may develop. an allergic reaction but a much severe one which is with one extra exposure those people need to be very careful because they can get with another dose of the food they can get an an anaphylactic shock uh, which means that the blood pressure will drop the heart rate will go out very high and uh, and it can lead to death if you are not taken to an emergency room very very quickly uh, for them to reverse the effects of it uh, and uh, and also bring your blood pressure up uh, and get your blood circulating properly again. So uh, that anaphylactic shock is the worst aller- allergic reaction that you can get. Uh, it can develop in people uh, slowly over a period of time, but more frequently it happens very suddenly uh, with with
1: a few exposures uh, to the allergen. I tell you, Dr. Faru I really enjoyed you this uh, evening. I know you're so cool, calm, collected. As I said, uh, you and I, we go a long way, but we love each other for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Perhaps your parting words uh, this evening, uh, Doc?
0: Yeah, we need to take care of our bodies. And only we ourselves can take care of our bodies. We need to know what goes in. What are we doing to harm our bodies? We need to take care of these bodies until we leave this world. It's an amana given to us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We cannot replace parts we can, we can maybe put an implant for the tooth uh, and that kind of uh, replacement but, but uh, you know generally speaking uh, once our organ is gone it's gone and once our bones are damaged it's damaged uh, so uh, we, we need to, we need to check to see what we are consuming and, and, and we need to take care of the body in the form of being active, moisturize the skin, make sure you're well hydrated and make sure that you, you don't indulge in things that make it difficult uh, for the body uh, to metabolize it and to excrete it. So if we do that, lead a healthy life, eat wholesome food, as Allah Ta'ala says, and inshallah, we will, we will have a very healthy body uh, to live in until we leave this world.
1: Ameen, I I Amina mean, I mean, Doctor, you have a mashallah evening ahead once again. Jazakallah khair for joining us on uh, Medical Files. Uh, you are, as I said, one of its important components. Uh, you know, pray for us as we pray for you. And inshallah, as I said, Allah bless you and your family members also. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi
0: wa barakatuh.
1: Time for us to go to uh, the, uh, yeah, for the Ishazan, and inshallah, we will continue after that.